presented by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. We are In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard chatting with Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. And today we have a special question that's uh, going to be put to everybody. And we want you to participate in this. Uh, it deals with our gear segment this week over at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Bauer Pro Returns is the subject. And uh, this question is going to get your mind turning. Our feature interview this week also uh, deals with uh, a great goaltender celebrating a championship, uh, Katie Burt, a winner of the Isabel Cup. The Boston Pride is going to chat with us, and they are uh, just uh, tearing it up the last uh, few weeks uh, after their championship. So we'll talk about uh, champagne, championships, and goaltending with uh, Katie Burt. Uh, But let's get into it. Uh, The question of the day, because the pro returns is the subject with Cam over at the hockey shop thehockeyshop.com, if you could acquire and use a piece of equipment, a pro return piece of gear from anybody, what piece of gear and who would it be from? Let's start with Hutch. Uh, I knew you'd throw it my way. When I suggested this before we were talking, I was just thinking maybe, maybe I could cop out and collect it. Then we have the other problem that I'm not sure there's pro return gear out there that would fit me in my little legs. <laughs> you can't Paging just use UC it as Soros. a collector. Paging UC Soros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got to just default to UC Soros or somebody like that. Or it's not actually, I love some of Soros' stuff. Like those dark sets are absolutely spectacular. Okay. If we could resize it so that it would fit me, uh, Do I you want to go like back to- in time too. I would go back in time. I would okay. go back in time. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Ken Dryden fan, so I'd pick a set of his. I'm not sure that I'm even partial to which set, although there was a, a, I've got a set that's very similar to some Coopers that he used to wear. I would probably go with any Ken Dryden set or Vladislav Trechak set. you're going to use this. Set. You're going to use Pardon this. Me? You're going to use this. Like yeah, you- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I'm always threatening to pull out the brown pads and take them, take them out just for kicks. So... That would be it. But otherwise, um, I have always been in love with Eddie Lack Stadium Series set, the uh, hmm? the Vancouver Millionaires tribute set. Yeah. Those 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 would be it. The good okay, the good news on those Hutch is the Canucks didn't let Eddie keep them. I know he'd be they thrilled sold, if I could get them and send them to him. They sold them instead, and so I've seen them in circulation here in the Vancouver area. I've actually seen them on the ice. Actually, I think it might have been at Rogers Arena, like a like one of the guys that comes in for like the trainer hockey league skates back before COVID uh, canceled those. Um, so the good news is you could get them. The bad news is they definitely have to be resized to fit you. Yeah. <laughs> and could you afford? Uh, they're pro returns, but even that, could you afford them? Because those were those were expensive pads. I mean, they they cost. Uh, money and Roberto Longo. True. <laughs> so, so <laughs> they, there's they, big value they, in that. They did, <laughs> they did quite literally cost the Canucks Roberto Longo. The straw that broke the camel's back in terms of leaving Vancouver was that start. The irony is, and I don't know how many people know this. I don't think we've told it, or maybe we did talk to him about it. Like there had been sort of, he'd been waiting for the trade, which everybody knows, the my contract sucks comment. But through it all, he'd actually come around to staying in Vancouver to the point where they were looking at property in Vancouver and he was considering just playing out that entire contract. And it was that decision that was the final straw, an agency change, uh, a quick call. And uh, I think it was Pat Brisson orchestrated the trade just a few days later. 
back to Florida, which worked out well for him as well. But um, there's there's a lot more meat on that bone in terms of that Eddie Lack start at the Heritage Classic. And I think for my answer here, speaking of Roberto Luongo, I'm going two parts. We do have a set in the office of Roberto Luongo's old Reebok P4s from his time with the Canucks. But if I'm going for nostalgia, like the set that I'd like to sort of have on display, I'm probably going with one of his Panther sets from pre-trade to Vancouver. So sort of 03-04, those old coho sets with all those colors. Like those popped. I like I've there's a soft spot in my heart. Um, for sort of that generation of pads with the yellow and the red and the way he wore it. So I'm not sure I'd like to wear it on the ice, but uh, that's one I'd have on display. In terms of pro returns to actually wear, you're never going to get better value than a set of Yaroslav Halak pro returns. Because the reality (laughs) is he could have worn them for the entire season and they're still going to look brand spanking new, cleans them before every start. There's no puck marks on there. Has a set of practice pads that he wears exclusively for practice so he can keep the game set fresh. So in terms of value on pro returns, give me Yaro Halak every time. His Brian's, it'd be like buying it off the rack. They're so mint. Mm. I love Kari Tacos. First uh, set of white pads that he wore with the, with the Minnesota North Stars. Those always stood out to me. Uh, I love the Vaughn white pads that Ron Tugnut wore and Stefan Passe uh, wore for a while. That, those were those were really cool uh, pads. If I was like to 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 wear with flair, some of Trevor Kidd's work had a lot of lot going a lot on. A lot of style with, with, with Trevor Kidd. Uh, blocker, More glove, uh, and, and the pads. I'm gonna go with Kidder and 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 crank those uh, those bad boys out. Whether it's a checkerboard or some of the other, uh, some eyes on there. Uh, he was underappreciated with the amount of of style that he had in his gear. Now the question is, are you wearing those out for a Vegas practice? Well, I I would like to because they would be 12 inches wide back then, and they're covering a. Uh, oh, a whole bunch more, and and the glove, every yeah, I'm 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 wearing those out there. I I I'll stop more pucks over fashion on the short term. Now, long term, the set that I've got right now, my my Axis pads, Mark Andre Fleury Pro Returns, they rock, and uh, I'm I'm living this life right now. They fit perfectly, and it's great gear. Well, speaking of pro returns, Darren, and it's not quite pro returns, but speaking of your gear, uh, got a set of Axis 2 here in the in-goal testing offices that we're just getting set to photograph. And I got to say, they've got a sort of Vegas flair in the color scheme, a little bit of gold Ooh, on there. A little so Vegas we might have vibe? To, uh, we might have, to, we might have to upgrade you from Axis 1 to Axis 2 at some point in the near future. So um, just a reminder to the folks out there, as much as we're going to get into the gear segment with the hockey shop, we're firing up our gear segments at ingolmag.com, uh, starting to roll out the new equipment with testers, starting to get feedback from top junior goalies and right up to beer league. Uh, everybody's feedback on this new stuff. Uh, exciting times, Hutch, to get the new stuff coming in. Yeah, super exciting to get this stuff on the ice. And uh, I've always said that as the new gear is coming in you look at it and you think there's no more they can do this is so good and then you look back to that uh Reebok P4 set over your shoulder there that at the time I thought was state of the art and could never get better and look at all the changes we've made again 
Uh, you know, the innovations that come in every year, it's just the most exciting time of the year for me. And I'm uh, really excited to get the Axis 2 on the ice, and I'm really excited to see what's coming next. Uh, you know, that you, well, we t- you talked about the changes last week in the gear segment. Uh, the knee stack changes that are coming around, I think, for me, are just the most exciting of everything that's going on right now. Um, maybe a, also just the, the new foams in terms of uh, both the lightness and the rebound controls. Awesome time of year. I had a buddy that uh, just switched to a modern pad. He, his The pad that he was using was about five, six years old, and he loved them. That's and not just, modern? Well, he, <laughs> he with the active rebound. He'd never used yeah. a pad with, with the active rebound. And, right. and he wore uh, a pair of uh, CCMs uh, out, and he was blown away. He'd never seen, felt anything like it. And it just happened to be that the next day I, I was skating just in – to, there's a buddy of mine that plays in the KHL. He had some ice and he was trying out some new gear, a uh, defenseman. So he was out and I went out, we were, we were taking clappers and we were just doing regular drills, but he was doing one of those like uh, left-hand point shot and with, and I was making the saves with my blocker pad and you're in that rhythm of pa- the puck just popping off them. Nothing makes you feel like an actual goalie, like making a butterfly save and that puck just rocketing off the pad like the active with the active rebounds it's the coolest feeling ever oh how times have changed i remember getting a brand new set of gear as a kid and the coach wouldn't let me wear them for i think three weeks or a month mm. because they were so stiff yeah and what's going to happen to the rebounds right plus you couldn't yeah. move in them though but now you can move in them do you remember having to oil the gloves and oh yeah pads? mink oil on everything yeah what, what kind of oil did you use i used mink oil oh mink yeah I don't know why. Read it somewhere. You should have used uh, deer because it was deer hide, deer hair. What was, I don't know. Yeah. There's no deer hair in this Axis 2 glove, let me tell you, but there are some innovations that we can't wait to share for you, with nice. you guys in the Big. near future. Massive changes. Um, just, I, I can't give away too much yet, but it's totally different and it snaps closed out of the box. There's, really? it's just, I can't wait. Totally different internals. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been quite, uh, quite an interesting discovery having it here for the first week, massive changes. And like I said, we'll share those, but first I think we need to go to the hockey shop and get the lowdown on some gear that isn't new, but is still very exciting. The Bauer pro return series they've got coming up. Uh, I went in there, hung out with cam, went through all the gloves, blockers, pads. We've got Devin Dubnik sets. Got a real nice set of Linus Ulmark gear from Buffalo that a lot of people will recognize because of the graphics, all kinds of really unique gear. Uh, you know, it's funny, we talk, I'll talk about what gear the pros wear, but the reality is quite a bit of it is different and unique and customized to their specs. So we got Cam who's going to walk us through all those features in next week's gear segment so that you can be prepared when it all goes on sale online at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com on April 14th. So this is your chance to check it out, make a wish list, check in with Cam before the sale starts if you have any questions about sizing or specs, and also a heads up that they will have pro return sticks from Bauer as well at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com, also going on sale April 14th. We'll give you some teases on that next week in next week's gear segment. Um, but there's a lot of good looking twigs in there. Vasilevsky, Reimer, lots of top names from around the NHL pro return sticks on top of the pro return gear that we're going to go over in this week's segment with cam right now. 
Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sport, where we are surrounded by Pro Return National Hockey League logos. Not to blur out Kay Whitmore's address so nobody sends him any hate mail for making us wear restricted sizing in the National Hockey League. I just said us as if I. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. They don't trickle down to Beer League. It's okay. But if you ever wanted NHL gear, Cam's got it here at the Hockey Shop. Pro Returns from Bauer, whole bunch of stuff he's going to walk us through today. You may be asking why I'm wearing Mike McKenna's gloves. They're on the wrong hands. Yes, we've got a full right set, full which right. is great because it's already rare enough. 2S Pro. Yes. What feels like for sure, like that's definitely got to be the palm then in it. Correct. Don't know if it's a practice palm. So, Don't think so, but just a full pro palm. Love it. Love the cool it. thing about some of these uh, NHL gear and also Mike's here in particular, there is quite a few custom specs that aren't necessarily available at a retail level. So a few things to kind of go over. Uh, we'll start with the beautiful Buffalo Sabres. Linus Allmark set. Linus Allmark. Linus. I gave, it, I gave it a good effort. You're in my world now, Cam. It's yes, Linus. there we go. Hey, for once, now you're the expert at the moment here. <laughs> Look at that. For once. All right. We'll start with the glove. This is one thing I've been messing around with this, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what angle this is and what it's kind of mimicked after. To me, this almost feels like, uh, reactor 6000 Vaughn T5500 overall feel single T a little bit of a shallower pocket you know common for those older Vaughn gloves but great closure and feel a little bit thinner on the palm I would say it doesn't feel like the most padded one especially compared to some of the other ones that I got sitting in here that's because Linus catches everything in the pocket but if you catch everything in the pocket shouldn't be a problem Overall, pretty stock locker for the most part. Ultrasonic, not stock on the special label on the back. Yes. We've got a little Swedish to share with you today. Cam's going to pronounce that. Uh, uh, Anders Aknut. And it means? Uh, breathe. And enjoy. One. See, NHL players like to have little reminders to enjoy the game, folks. And I probably butchered that pronunciation, so I already know I we'll tried. Get, don't worry. We'll reach out to Linus. We'll get the correct one. Walk me through his pads. 2X Pro, obviously beyond the custom graphics. Cam, what else are we looking at? Here? Custom specs on this pad quite a bit. Uh, overall, fitment-wise, it seems to be based off of uh, 2X Pro. Um, knee cradle, a little bit different. Again, NHL specs that do have to be followed here to a bit of a degree. Doesn't have that same uh, integration as we've seen as Stabila Side or Stabila Flex. Uh, leather strapping, um, still getting a little bit more of that control. Um, also, custom overall slip for where that bootstrap actually comes through. So that's not something you would have seen on a stock pad as well. As a quick call out, bolted on toe bridge as well. Once again, something that we only see in uh, NHL custom pads. Overall fit and feel. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Is that pillow removable? Oh, it's not. Psych! I thought it was a removable pillow, in which case I would have said, Kay Whitmore never should have signed off on this because they're not allowed to be removable. But it looks removable, and it's actually stitched he, in he, at the he base. Didn't, he didn't sign off on these ones. Oh, interesting. That's worth noting. <laughs> All right, moving on, because we've got still quite a few more pads to cover. You can pronounce it for me. You're the expert. Prosvetov. First name? Ivan. Pads in front of me here. Do you also know what team Walker. he plays for? Uh, Phoenix Coyotes. They would be the Arizona Coyotes. Now, oh, oh. Good try. Oh, he got me on that one. All right. Pretty sure you got yourself on that one. 
So this is a, Pat is a, seems to be an interesting combination of a ultrasonic and a 2X Pro. Stabila slide knee. Overall, still 2X Pro feel from the knee down. Quite a bit stiffer though. This is one of the stiffest pads that we've got in the collection. This one, I can't, like, I'm, come on. <laughs> like, I can't put really any flex into that. Hyperlite blocker. Hyperlite blocker. Stock Hyperlite glove. Uh, we do have an additional set that does have a thicker uh, palm as well. Um, and it is labeled P, so it's practice. So you can actually buy the set and get an extra practice glove. If you would like. Yes, absolutely. I like. So that covers that. Now, pop that away. I'm just going to hold on to the pretty one. That's fine. I've got some nice pretty ones in front of me. And if you recognize this one, Devin Dubnik. This is a graphic that actually premiered on ingolmag.com from one of the summer camps up in Kelowna with Doobie. This nice humble brag that we can throw in there too as well. I want to start off with the glove that Kevin's messing around with. Can't realize that I have the blocker right here, but that's okay. So beyond the custom graphic itself, now we've had a little bit of debate over what we think this is. It may be the coveted Bauer 580 clone. So we're still kind of undecided on exactly what it is, but in terms of enclosure-wise, it's unlike anything else that we have on the wall. Um, maybe by the time this video airs, we can get Kevin to maybe have a little bit of pro confirmation for us. We'll send Doobie a note. There you go. See, that kind of insight that you only get here at the hockey shop and Ingle May teamed up. Walk us through the pads, idiot. Okay. Pad-wise. Very custom still, um, and a lot of some of the, um, what we call, I would say, older features um, that we've seen on the previous models. To me, this is based off of a 1S pad. Still the integration of the thigh wrap, and Kevin can attest that. Doobie didn't like knee pads. Doobie didn't like knee pads. Big proponent of knee pads over here, so these are removable. They are just laced in if you did want to take those off. Uh, Lake Channel is still a 2X pad, or 1X, depending on how far you want to go back. Um, overall, Lake Channel, things like that, again, still kind of holds true to some of the um, original, you know, 1S, 1X pads. Very, very steep pre-curve to the pad, something that you normally don't see, especially at the retail level. Still some okay flex to it, though, again, as well. So that covers the pads, gloves, 2X Pro blocker for Doobie. But if you weren't into Doobie specs, you could actually mix and match them with these Andrew Hammond gloves because it's all green, and he obviously got them when he was with the Minnesota Wild. Great segue into that as well. So another one here to, to check out. Overall feel feels like pretty close to a stock ultrasonic. So that one kind of holds itself true. Ultrasonic blocker, once again, kind of holding true to just uh, what would be pretty much stock specs. Next. Next. I mean, I think we've, I think we've covered most of it there. I wonder, actually. I thought there was something special. Mm, maybe a Stanley Cup winner's glove and blocker. Two times. Down the cup. Oh, uh, excuse me, pardon for me. Two time. That custom logos on the Andre Vasilevsky. Custom setup. embroidery, custom glove as well. Really calling this one out. This one's probably one of the key highlights that I've got. You can feel the extra padding in there for sure. Yes, yes. Overall, extra padding. Pretty much stock um, hyperlight blocker for the most part. Um, maybe a little bit bigger on the palm wise. Not the exact same material as what you'd see on the stock uh, blocker or as well in terms of for the palm fit. Glove overall feel wise. I mean, it almost feels closer to an ultrasonic set, but I would say overall feel-wise, you know, it kind of splits the difference between the two. Labeled as a hyperlight, feels more like an ultrasonic to me. Gonna take some breaking in. There's extra padding in there. All right, so all of this gear you're gonna find on sale. You missed one. I did. 
Maybe one more additional one here, um, just because there is another cool spec to call out here. Anders Nilsson, well with the Ottawa Senators, clearly based on the colors. Yes, thank you for showing me that I've already seen it. I like to call out the blocker on this one. This is that uh, ever-hidden slash coveted 1X blocker, the two-piece series. This is available at a stock retail. You can custom order that. Uh, however, it is a nice call out in terms of overall feel. Again, being a little bit thicker, a um, bit more balanced on some of the guys, as they were saying. Um, also, custom glove to me, this feels like um, our Allmark set in terms of the actual break and feel wise, just with the double T. A little bit of that shallower pocket. But uh, as you said, you know, literally focused on that catch. So you don't need that depth, right? So, all this gear up on sale, up on thehockeyshop.com. You will find this all kind of going live April 8th. No cam. It's on the 16th. Any uncertainty about fit, spec, just make sure you give Cam a call with any questions about some of these. Like I said, there are some unique features on these Pro Return pads beyond the sweet custom graphics. If you got any questions, give him a call at 604-589-8299. Whatever you do, don't call the number over here on the screen. Or you can call our 1-800 number at 1-800-567-7790. If anybody happened to catch Kay's number, it's not actually on there. We apologize, Kay. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> you, you little rascal, Woody. You thought you had Kay Whitmore just busted with with the the thigh, and in nope, no, you 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 were so excited you couldn't help yourself. I was just kidding. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> you were starting to pull everything out. <laughs> Pro returns are neat. Nah. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see this stuff and 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 just see how different and it's it's also a reality check and I think a little bit for us too. Like we like we value pro feedback, right? When we do our reviews, I think that's one of the things that separates our reviews. We talk to NHLers about why they switched, why they're trying new things, but even within the context, and sometimes that's great because there are new features that they do have in their gear, right? Like Thatcher Demko when he switched to CCM Flex Five. There's some really interesting conversations with him about why. But the reality is these guys aren't wearing the same stuff that you and I are buying at retail for the most part. At least not, you know, not necessarily the latest. Like the Dubnik stuff has a lot of sort of parts uh, left over from the original uh, 1S. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of sort of, you know, ability to sort of take old and mix with new thing, features that they like from previous generations that may be changed in the new generation, but they don't have to when you're in the National Hockey League. Or, or Linus Elmark having leather straps on his pads. Don't ask me why. We've actually had that conversation, but he likes to likes to be able to cinch them up a little more. Just some unique features that you're not going to find um, at retail anywhere else. Uh, I guess you could probably custom order some of them, but some of them aren't even available. So it's pretty cool to sort of get to go through this gear and check it all out. I just like it when you're at the rink and you're playing your game and you're standing in the hallway and the other goalie comes out and he's got new gear and you always have a chat with him. And, and the person says, yeah, these, these were Linus Allmarks. Uh, these were, um, Phoenix Copley's, uh, pro return, like the, the different names that, that, that will be thrown out. Uh, I played, uh, in this, in the spring, a guy had a pro return, uh, an old mask, uh, from somebody like, it's just, it's the stories that you can have and, and the ability to go down a path with, uh, with somebody you're skating with is cool. 
we got a guy that I met just last week. He might do some testing for us. Played at a pretty high level. I filled in at a at a much higher level than I normally play. And talked with him after the game because he recognized uh, the gear and some of the stuff we've done from from the hockey shop, um, from the videos. Nice. And lo and behold, I kid you not, speaking of Kay Whitmore, he was wearing a Scott Wedgwood CCM NHL chest protector that he had just gotten because after Scott got traded to Dallas, he got a new one. And so this guy goes back, played with them like way back as as kids. I guess they go way back from the same hometown. Scott sent him the one he was wearing in Arizona, and he could not believe the amount of protection in this thing. Now, ironically, up until that point, he'd been wearing the first generation of Bauer NHL legal chest protector, which Hutch, you'll remember from our time up in Kelowna that summer when all those changes came, that original Bauer was, there wasn't much to it. And we heard from guys like Reimer and Dubnik that were trying it on the ice. They're like, yeah, man, like this is, this if this is the new NHL legal, we have a problem because it was really streamlined and not all that protective. Um, obviously, things have evolved for the Bauer model as well since then, but this guy was wearing that original one. And now all of a sudden, I'm out against him and he's playing in this CCM NHL Scott Wedgwood model. And he's like, man, like, I didn't feel anything. It was night and day compared to what he had going on before. And they were, again, both not necessarily pro returns because he knows them personally, but in that vein of, you know, models and and things that you can't normally get, but worn by NHL goaltenders. So I thought that was pretty cool. And also cool, always cool after a game to meet a fellow goalie and then really geek out over gear and meet somebody who might be able to test some of our new stuff for us. So it's exciting time confidence that you feel when you're wearing somebody's uh pro return like stuff that's designed for the national hockey league that you know uh was was shipped there with that that particular uh desire uh, i wonder and with with now the the graphics uh, and what uh what we can see there might be some really cool custom sets popping up at uh, at your local rink with with pro returns um did you have a did you have a favorite part about what you saw with the with the pro return uh little segment that you just did with with Kevin. I want to make sure everybody knows go to YouTube uh, and check out the channel because there the the you can watch the video and see all of that uh that cool gear uh that Cam and and Woody walked through and let us know at that point either whether you're listening right now or watching the YouTube uh, what your favorite pro return piece of equipment would be uh and which goaltender which brand and uh love to compare it and and give people an idea of some of the uh the responses next week. Mine was definitely Mike McKennis because Cam sits to my left. So putting on the full right set allowed me to have my blocker on my left hand, which isn't normal for me, but made for easy punching motions towards Cam. Didn't have to reach across the body if I was giving him a shot for some of his stupid comments. So that was, I like McKenna's set just for, at least for the environment of doing the gear segment. If not for, I'd have a little trouble playing with it with the wrong hand and everything, but it helped me punch Cam a few times. So that was my favorite. I'm not sure that part even made the podcast cut. Uh, We always keep some stuff out of the podcast because it doesn't really translate to the uh, audio medium. But if you do check it out on YouTube, you'll see uh, Kevin punching Cam and all sorts of great stuff. It was uh, it was a lot of fun filming that day. Darren, thanks for mentioning the comments because I love that that's starting to really evolve over on the YouTube channel. And a couple of the videos have uh, been inspired now by questions and comments that uh, viewers have left for us over there we've got some good discussion going on cam quite often chimes in with answers when people have some gear questions for him 
And uh, another one, actually, Woody and Cam often talk uh, in the videos how you have to think about your gear sizing based on how you're strapping up your pads. So one of the challenges to Woody and Cam that I haven't given to Woody yet is do a video on how you might strap your pads for various situations, whether you want them a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, a little bit more mobile, whatever you might want to do. Um, let's answer some of those questions. But uh, I, guys, I must say I love the Allmark set as well because I'm a, a proud graduate of the Buffalo Sabres Hockey School. My uh, my uncle was a hockey coach, lived in Buffalo, went down, stayed with him, and played against uh, a, a bunch of the Sabres players, of course, back in the day, would go to the camp, and just special memories with Buffalo, and those sets are just spectacular. And the Arendelle ones as well, although they weren't there. I wasn't a big fan of the slug era, but uh, I, I do like the... <laughs> yeah, I the, agree. The traditional... Uh, yeah, I was way before the slug era, <laughs> and we've 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 kind of corrected that and and righted the ways uh, on the Buffalo Sabers side of things. Uh, let's uh, let's go to to the Boston area and and the Boston Pride. And uh, Katie Burt is our feature interview this week, brought to you by Sensorina Sensorina VR Hutch. Yeah, and you know what? Exciting week, guys. I don't know if you you saw, but it, just in the last couple of days, Sensorina has got a new release out. And one of the great things about Sensorina, uh, as we've mentioned before, is that it's it's ongoing developed software. It's not just a purchase and you're stuck with it. They're always um, coming out with small improvements and then three or four times a year sort of major releases. And I'm, I'm excited about two things in the new release. Uh, we got to get the headsets on and see what we think of them live. I haven't had an opportunity yet, guys. Number one. We often talk about Sensorina being a great opportunity to prepare to go on the ice, start seeing some shots, get the hands warm, get the eyes ready. They've now added specific warm-up routines, so you don't have to make up your own pick from the drills and so on. You can just go into the warm-up routines. You've got sort of a 12-minute routine to get you ready to go on the ice. So Woody could probably even do it while he's foam rolling or maybe fit it in between foam rolling sessions, but a great opportunity to warm up your eyes, warm up your hands before you hit the ice. And uh, whether it's young goaltenders or all the way up to pro, people are seeing that make a difference before they hit the ice. So set warm-ups, beautiful new addition to the uh, Sensorina system. And then the other one that they've added, guys, is a shot locator so that you can now go into a drill and say specifically of certain locations that they offer you where you want that shot to hit the net. One of the things that I find a little frustrating as a goaltender is that you might struggle with a particular shot, but a shooter can't recreate that for you perfectly time and time again until you can get it down. So if you're struggling with a particular area, you can say, put the puck here. You could take 10 shots in a row there until you sort of dial it in and then maybe go back to something a little bit more random because, of course, the game ultimately is random. But one of the best ways to practice your skills is to repeat that same skill over and over and over again. And now you've got that opportunity with the uh, shot locator. So Sensorina, continuous improvements. They're making massive difference in the game for everyone. By the way, if you happen to have a player in your house, as we've mentioned before, comes with two licenses. So the player in your house can use the player version. And uh, they've updated that with some brand new stick physics as well. So lots of great stuff happening over in Sensorina, guys. And you know who's going to appreciate those changes and updates at Sensorina? Katie Burt. Katie Burt. Our feature guest this week on Sensorina is a user and one of the things we talk about is sort of some of the, and, and, and I would encourage folks as you hear her start to talk about uh, detaching in terms of the stick on blocker saves and prioritizing blocker coverage over, over where the stick is, 
Uh, take a look at the featured image that we use in the podcast this week because it's a great example of what she talks about. Um, and it's something that is maybe I got a little confused about during the conversation. But again, she see, saw a picture of herself from the championship weekend for the PHF. And it was just this great example of something she'd been working on repetition for a certain save in a certain location the kind of thing you'd be able to do in a sense arena environment. And that's one of the other things she talks about how important sense arena has been when you can't get on the ice, which has been difficult for the past couple of years because of the pandemic. Also difficult at times uh, because of limited practices uh, within the women's game, not as much as she was used to in college. So uh, something we've reiterated a lot in the past, like great chance to work on your game without needing to get on the ice. Uh, and that's something that Katie Burt echoes in this interview as well. And how to get champagne out of your hockey gear, at least a part of it. Something that uh, that I've had to deal with uh, over the years, beer, champagne. Anybody bringing the hard booze into your skates? That's when I drink. We got a, a guy that doesn't. Yeah, we don't. We got a guy that doesn't drink beer, so uh, I have to. We have a little, little, little bottle of Crown, and got to make sure there's uh, Crown and ginger for him <laughs> nice. in the post game skates. Still trying to get that out of your gear. Never thought I'd go that. Take that, uh, Yaroslav Halak. I've had that problem too, Darren. The difference for me is that it's not because of celebrations. It's because I'm just usually so tired I spill all over myself. I played with a Japanese guy, and uh, he often would near the end of the season take a trip back to Japan to visit friends and family. And then came back for the uh, the final year end playoff tournament, won the championship, and uh, got to drink uh, sake out of the championship trophy. That's cool. cool. Yeah. Well, those are all really neat, but they pale in comparison to what Katie's done lately. It's our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Really excited to welcome back to the In Cold Radio podcast, Katie Burt, now Isabel Cup champion with the Boston Pride, recently crowned. We we missed it. We got one episode in between you winning and you being on the podcast, so we missed it by a week. But thank you so much, Katie, for joining us after uh, after a pretty good uh, celebrations following the championship. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad to be back. How, uh, how, I mean, how, what's the experience been like? I saw some, uh, saw some good social media posts from the Bruins game. I thought it was appropriate that you guys got invited, at least for you, you get invited to celebrate at the Bruins game and it's Tuca's night. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Um, we got back on, I think it was Wednesday of last week and we've kind of been, you know, whether it's having our own cup parties or going to the Bruins, um, we've kind of been all around town and hopefully we'll continue that, but uh, nonetheless, it was fitting on Tuca night, which was actually pretty special and pretty cool for me just to be there for that as well. I should have asked, I should have opened with the question that you pondered uh, on social media after the big win. Have you figured out how to get champagne out of your goaltending equipment? Not the equipment yet. Uh, the jersey, a little bit of vinegar will do the trick, I guess. <laughs> not not going to throw any vinegar on the gear yet, though, eh? <laughs> no, no, that one scares me a little bit more than the uh, the jersey does. So it's been a while since we've caught up. It's been a couple of years um, and some big changes for you, both in terms of what you've been doing on the ice since we last talked, uh, coaching roles with stop at goaltending, expanded roles there uh, and on the ice, uh, moving back to the PHF and with the Boston Pride, a team that drafted you first overall in 2017. I kind of feel like there's a whole bunch of different places we got to go, but let's start with 
going back to the Pride, uh, going back to the PHF, formerly NWHL, that decision, um, what brought you to it? And then just walk me through the season and, and the lead up to you know becoming champions, back-to-back championships for the team, but you're first. Yeah, uh, obviously it was, it was a pretty heavy decision. You know, I played with the Pride in 2019, but most of the, f- the friends that I've developed are, are, are in the PWHPA, right? And so to leave them was a little bit challenging. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it was getting to play for, for something, a championship, and getting to be a part of a, of a real team. You know, those two things were really important to me. And, you know, I, I just felt like I didn't want to spend another year in the PWHPA with, with the unknown. So getting to be a part of the Pride this year was, was really special, and our team was um, I don't know if you could tell in the third period, but we were we were putting it all on the line for each other, and um, you know I thought that showed throughout the the last period of the of the final, and you know that's just a testament to the the locker room and the culture that we've created. From a season on a whole, like just the strides the league took, um, being on ESPN in the states, like the Premier Hockey Federation under the new name, uh, under the new label, what kind of an impact did that have on you on a day to day basis? Like just sort of seeing the growth on that side of things like did that impact the operations from from where you stood as well yeah it's it's huge for the game right we talk about visibility all the time in the women's game and how how we need it so desperately and ESPN was a huge part of that I you know I had people texting me being like dude I watched your game I had no idea like it was actually that entertaining and that fun to watch um and these are my friends (laughs) um so that was pretty eye-opening for me where you know, there were so many people that came out of the woodwork to just say, you know, hey, I watched your game. And, you know, by the way, congratulations. But that was awesome product that you guys have on the ice. And I think, you know, since my first year in the former NWHL to this year in the PHF, like we have grown exponentially. And I'm really excited to kind of see where where that growth goes in the next three or four years with, you know, that huge announcement that the Board of Governors came with. Like that's not to be taken lightly. And I'm really excited to kind of see where that goes. What about your own game? What's grown uh, in in the years between, like you said, it was NWHL when you were there. You spent a couple of years with the PWHPA, uh, and then you head back to the renamed PHF, win a championship. But in the gap in between, leading up to this year, how has your game changed? How has your game evolved? Especially under trying circumstances where you maybe didn't have as much opportunity for ice time and games, and like you said, that structure that you were looking for by heading back to the PHF. Yeah, well, I think the most important thing is I'm back in the toe tie gang. Um, <laughs> so you knew you you knew that question was coming, didn't you? <laughs> I did. We can talk about that a little bit later. Um, no, I mean, I just my game is is has taken on 180 since since we last spoke, and it's completely completely changed since you know my USA hockey days and my college days, and um, it's changed for the better, obviously. Whereas you know my skating has gone exponentially better. My hands are almost flawless. Um, we can always be, we can always be better, but those are my two biggest attributes. And my, my ability to read plays is to me, what, what sets me apart from other goalies in the PHF. And so those three things combined have just kind of transformed my game. And, you know, I, I used to be this ugly goalie that just made saves and nobody knew how, and now I'm, I look the part and I play the part and I just, I feel so much more relaxed and calm in the back of the net where, 
you know, I know I'm going to get to my spot and I know I'm going to be set and I know I'm going to, everything's going to kind of take care of itself. Okay. So now you got to help me through the process of that. Cause for those that didn't listen to the first interview uh, and we're, we're, like I said, it's over two years ago now, I'll refresh their memories. You started playing street hockey, um, and played out, I think all the way through peewee as well as goaltending, but you didn't get your mm-hmm. first instruction. Like you weren't a technical, you were that street hockey for lack of a better term goalie right through until college before you sort of started getting into the technical side of the game. If I remember correctly, how do you take these next steps, especially at a time when you weren't playing as much? Like you said, reading the game. How'd you get better at reading the game when you weren't getting to play as many games as I know you would have liked? Yeah. So, I mean, my first formal instruction was like maybe like my sophomore year in high school. I was like 15. Um, and that was when I kind of started really getting into like the U18 USA side of things. Um, but it's, I think the the thing for me is, I coach for a living and I have to explain to kids and teenagers and adults, like, here's how you read a play. And sometimes they understand it and sometimes they don't. And if they don't understand it, you got to figure out a different way. And so for me, I've just, there's so much repetition of, of coaching and teaching. And I've learned so much from topical tending and just being able to you know be on the ice with these kids and teach them and and learn from them and so that has helped my game tremendously so I can take those little nuggets of information that I'm either giving or or I'm getting from these kids and I can kind of take them into my own lessons where I'm actually being trained and kind of work on those so that's kind of been huge and plus you know working at a goalie company comes with its its perks right Um, I skate not a lot, but often, and I get a lot of one-on-one instruction from my colleagues, so that obviously helps a ton. And obviously, we got to give a shout out to Stop at Goaltending, where you are the women's director of goalie development, but also the director of hockey operations. Uh, if I read the text from Brian Decord correctly, so um, that sounds like that's played a big role. That teaching and that ability to sort of articulate things so other people understand it has that forced you it sounds like it's helped has it forced you to rethink other parts uh beyond reading the game Uh, you talked about skating and hands and sounds like teaching has become an uh an ongoing education process for you as a goalie as well absolutely i think especially with a position that's evolving so much you know there's always new things to be learned and as soon as you think you know everything and it's over like i said like these kids actually teach me stuff where you know they might ask a question and you know, it might sound, might sound kind of stupid, but then you think about it and you're like, well, actually, that's kind of a good point. And then you got to kind of rethink and, and mull it over and, you know, kind of come back. And I'm a big, big fan of goalie talk. And so some kids don't like to train with me because I'm, I'm a big like, hey, what do you think? Hey, why did you just do that? And sometimes they don't know, and that's fine. But I like to just kind of make them think about why they're doing, you know, X, Y, or Z. You know, well, why did you go into the RVH there? I don't think you need to, but I want you to tell me why, because you might be right and I might be wrong, but that's fine. And by the way, there is really no right or wrong. It's all how you're reading the play versus how I read, I'm reading the play. And so that's kind of the thing for me where I kind of opened my eyes where I was like, you know, everyone's trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Maybe we're all just trying to figure out how to chisel it, chisel it down. 
Um, so it's, it's really been a, a, a wild learning experience for me. And it's obviously helped me a ton in my game as well, but just from a life standpoint, it's, it's amazing the things that, that you can learn about something as you know trivial as goaltending. So are there other examples? Like, can you give me any specifics? Maybe it's not reading a play, maybe it's skating where that thought process and that thinking about things differently has, has led to concrete changes in, in how you approach the game or execute, you know, whether it's a certain play or a certain read, or even just when you talked about your skating in your hands and how things have changed there over the past couple of years. I think the the example that comes to my mind, and I'm not sure if I'm hitting exactly what you want, but I've started to go into the shin lock a little bit more on my glove side. Um, and my 15 year old self would be appalled at <laughs> that statement. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, you know, I, I'm getting older. I'm not old by any means, but I'm getting older. I'm 25. I grew up in the butterfly era where you're just hammering your hips away. And, um, for some reason on the, on the glove side, I just, I can't feel that spot right above the pad with my glove. And I've tried going overhand and every time I go overhand, I get hit off the wrist with a puck. So that's not worth it for me. So I like to go into the shin lock, but I also like to do it because just it's way easier on the hips. And my coaching partner, John, he's like, over your lifetime, maybe you give up one or two goals because of it. Right. You just don't make it to the post quick enough, but for my sanity and my body's health, like that's something that's like worth it for me. And my 15 year old self would have been like, well, that's stupid. I don't care about what my hips feel like. <laughs> but as I'm starting to get a bit older, like I got, I have sprained ankles galore all the time. And so all of that tension that you're putting on your ankles, your knees, your hips and your RVH to me on the glove side, is just not really worth it. And I have that argument with kids probably once a week. Well, well, I don't like to do that. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, just think about it. Try it. Add it to the toolbox. We'll go from there. And 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 like anything, the key is getting comfortable with something different, right? Like if you weren't comfortable executing in the shin lock, it probably doesn't work, right? But add the tool to the toolbox, rep it out, get better at it. And I'm guessing using the shin lock is, uh, I mean, if anything, it should be a little easier in Boston, no? Yeah. I mean, you you had one of the best. I mean, Tuca may have been the best exactly. at executing out of the shin on post than any goalie in the history of the game. Yeah, and I mean, you think about why he did it is probably because of his hips. Same idea. Um, yeah, same same thing that trying to trying to prolong the career for him, I would assume, is why he started training. And that's what Bob Essens had told us. Believe he, he, I remember him telling us once a summer he would have young goalies or goalie coaches asking him why he didn't stop Tuca from doing that. And if you remember, there was a point in his career where he was using a little more traditional RVH and they just mm-hmm. decided, same as you said, to go away from it because the wear and tear on Tuca's body just wasn't worth it, especially as well as he could execute the other way. So like you said, there's no one way to play this position. Yeah, and and that's my philosophy, right? Like as a goalie coach and obviously as a goalie as well, like I'm not trying to make all the kids that come through stop a goal thing, I'm not trying to make them like the perfect goalie. You're just trying to help them become the best version of themselves, whether that's a stand-up goalie, a butterfly goalie, a hybrid goalie. If they want to lay down in the post, that's fine. If that works for them, that works for them. And that's, you know, something that I would get frustrated growing up with when you, you know, you go to camps or you go to other things where, you know, these goalie coaches are like, well, you have to do this. No, you don't. (laughs) 
here, here's why I like to do it this way. And that's what I like my goal is to be able to articulate as well. So those conversations, like now I'm dying to sit in on one of these conversations with, with <laughs> the, uh, with your students and hear the back and forth. I'm wondering too, does it continue at the pro level when you're out there on the ice with, uh, you know, with, with the other goaltenders with the Boston pride and, and I forgive me for not knowing this in advance. I'm not sure if you guys had a goaltending coach working with you on a regular basis. Like did that back and forth? Cause I remember going back to when we first met at, with the, uh, the national team program and, you know, talking about how different you were from, um, from, uh, Rigsby at the time, Cavallini now. And I think it, I can't remember it was, uh, Hensley, but you guys were such three, th- yeah, three, three totally different goalies and how much of that conversation, like, do you have those conversations still now, you know, with your playing partners about, Hey, I did it this way because of that. Like it is, is that goalie talk exist at the pro level as well? Absolutely. Um, and actually one of my goalie partners on the pride is works at Suffolk goaltending as well. So we, we do talk, um, kind of what we like to do, how we like to do it. She is like the, her name is Victoria Hanson. She is like the queen of double covering on her blocker side, but has like the best blocker on earth. And it fascinates me to this day. Like she will bait you to go to the blocker side and then the whole net will be open and you'll shoot it and she'll save it somehow. And it's, it's amazing to me. Um, but we do, we chat, we chat. I love goalie talk. And even if other people don't engage in it as, as much as I would like, I still like to ask them because like LaVisa is, freaking she she's huge she's so much taller than me and Vic and she plays a completely different game so I like to just kind of pick pick their brains on why they do certain things and you know like obviously give them an insight on why I like to do certain things is that though is that means that what keeps you in love with the position after all these years after starting you know as the gotta go in net to play street hockey uh, for for your older brother is that what keeps you in love with the game the fact that those conversations exist and there is no just absolute one way to do anything yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is you can never be perfect at it. And I'm a perfectionist and I'm competitive and so driven. And so I want to be perfect. And a lot of times I got to kind of rein it in a little bit because obviously we can't be perfect and you're going to give up goals. That's just the way that life works. But I hold myself to a really high standard. So like, you know, for example, the goal in the first period of the final was completely unacceptable. And so like, I was pretty frustrated at that. So it's like, well, you know, you won. Yes, but you could have been better. So like, let's figure that out next time because maybe that, maybe that goal is what is the one that's going to cost you the championship next time or something of that, you know, like you can always be better. So let's, you know, let's see where we can go with this thing because I'm playing the best hockey I've ever played at age 25. So I'm really excited to kind of see where the next few years look like. 958 save percentage in the regular season, 965 in the playoffs. Uh, it, I mean, perfect is a thousand, but those are pretty remarkable numbers. So obviously you're holding yourself to a high standard. I wonder though, how much, if you're that much of a perfectionist, have you had to go through a, a process mentally where you're able to analyze it later? Like you said, that goal that could cost you, maybe next time it does cost you, so you don't want to give it up but not overanalyze in the moment? Because if you dwell on that within the context of the game at the time, I'm imagining that's not a good thing. Correct, correct. That's been a, a, a huge learning curve for me at age 25 and 
you know, having had these discussions with so many younger goalies that I coach is I've, I've grown and I'm, I'm no longer like, Oh my God, well, it's one-to-one and I just give up a goal that was horrible. And then you're like thinking about the goal and the next shot goes in and then you're toast. My younger self as a thousand percent was the kid that was like, that was so bad. I can't believe I just did that thinking about it. And the next goal goes in and then you're just, the game's over because you're, you're now like a downward spiral. So, you know, I think I've matured so much in that aspect. Whereas I mean, even a similar, a similar situation was like when I was younger and even in my college days, if I had like a, a really bad warm up, like I would just be done for the game. And I will never forget this year. I had a, it was a horrible warm up at home. I mean, pucks were just like whizzing by my ears going bar down and, we ended up winning the game. I got a shutout and our trainer came up to me and he was like, you know, Birdie, a couple of years ago, you probably would have got pulled from that game. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, you saw me in the warmups. He was like a thousand percent. You couldn't stop a beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we, I made a point to be, to tell him, I said, Jerry, like, that's just me being so much more mature and being like, you know how ridiculous it is to be like, okay, well, I had a bad warm up, so this game is just a lost cause. Um, and so I've definitely grown in that aspect of just being able to like recenter, get my mind right, be in the moment, and not try and overanalyze things too much while still striving to be to be better and you know kind of table it for later, analyze it a little bit later. So question there is, is that something that just comes, Katie, with experience or have you through whether because I know stop it like that's the one thing every time I see, you know, something that Brian's doing like he, no stone unturned, right? Like there's 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 yep. mental performance work. Uh, I know you guys work with Sense Arena as well, like all kinds of tools. So in the course of working there, were there some tools or some people that helped you develop that mindset or because it's one thing to know, hey, I need to be able to refocus and get back on the game. It's another thing to develop the tools to be able to do it in the moment. Were there some people that helped you or some tools that you use to make sure that one bad goal doesn't snowball uh, within a game? I think it's a combination of, of kind of experience and just having so many resources at stop it and so much information, you know, even with, you know, technology, just being able to scroll on, you know, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever it is, and get these little nuggets of information. It's kind of like a snowball of I'm taking all this information and now I have to apply it and figure out how it works for me, which is just like goaltending. I, it, it, what's going to work for me isn't going to work for you. And it was just kind of through experience of like trial and error, like what is going to be, be able to bring me back to center and just push through, be able to ground myself here i am i'm in the moment focus on the next save nothing else matters and i think it's it's interesting it reminds me of a conversation with one of the sports psychologists we've done stuff with john stevenson it's everybody everybody's focus drifts it's about recognizing it and being able to pull it back when it does for me it's it's i get i get like i tend to get ahead of myself when when we're in the game right like you know you know it's two nothing going into the second period is it going to end up six nothing you know is that they're going to score two goals a period are they going to do this and it's like relax like chill it's two to nothing you're in the moment you can make it two to nothing at the end of the game you can't control if your team scores or not but you can keep the game at two to nothing which is much more manageable 
than a six to nothing, a seven to nothing, because all of a sudden now you're just spiraling into this ditch of thoughts of like, here we go, next goal, I'm fighting the puck, what a bad rebound. It's like, yeah, bad rebound, but you know what, I saved it, so it's fine. You know, it's like developing those types of things has been really difficult for me because I am that type of perfectionist. But in my older age, I think it's really, it's really helped me out. Okay. So are there, have you ever been a catchphrase person? Like we've seen people over the years, we we've had a few at, at, at ingolmag.com, like they'll put little sayings in their blocker or something on their stick to just to remind them of that focus. Or is it all just between the years for you at this point? Most of it's between the years. Um, I like to say a few things like for me, like I am so over prepared. Like I am, I put all the work in, I put so much work in that I just need to remind myself, like you deserve to be here. You're prepared and confidence. My confidence stems from that, right? Like for me, I'm not confident if I, if the situation is unknown, but to me, the situation is going to be known if I'm prepared. Like I know what's coming. I'm prepared. I put in the work. Everything else is going to fall into place the way it should. Like they used to tell us when you're, you know, like if you were ready for a test, right? You wouldn't be nervous if you'd done the work to be prepared for a test. So what is, can you, can you share some insights into what that looks like on a game day for you? What, what, is there a checklist that Katie Burt has where she walks into that game knowing she's prepared? And I'm guessing it's a lot more, more than just what goes on during that day. It's all the preparation of years and months leading up to it. But is there a sort of game day checklist for you? No, I've tried that before and I got kind of neurotic about it. Um, okay. So I don't really have much of a pregame routine. I don't really have much of like a checklist. It's just like, you know, I've done all the, I've done all my, my practice. I've done all the visualization. I've done all the things that I, I can control. Now it's just time to go out there and play. And I can't control much of that. You mentioned earlier, I wanted to loop back a little bit. You talked about, we talked about the reads. You also mentioned skating and hands. Uh, what's changed from a skating perspective and, and what's changed from a hands perspective? What's allowed you to have hands that, that you feel so good about within a game right now? And I'm guessing that if it's probably in a lot of ways related, right? Because if you're skating and you're in your spots and you're set, it allows you to sort of maintain access to the hands. Correct. So for me, um, I kind of like to shove my hands. I just kind of like to toss them out. For me, that's what keeps them active. Okay. So I've, I've done a, just a ton of work of, you know, visualizing saves on the ice, of keeping my hands out. A cue that we have, I have with my goalie coach is, you know, front third. So I want to make sure that anytime I'm, you know, making a blocker save or catching a puck with my glove, we're making on the front third of my pad. As soon as you start getting to the mid or the back third, that's when we start kind of opening up the shoulders. and Turning and a little bit. Really a little bit not having active hands um and you know it's 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 been a little bit of a learning curve for me because like i said i'm not perfectionist and when you catch a puck on the mid third of your pad it still looks like it is in front but it's like not and so like we have just like i'll just sit in the butterfly at the beginning of every goalie session for like 15 minutes and we'll just work the hands in front working on making sure um, everything's on the front third. I've really tried a lot to detach my blocker, meaning just kind of get it parallel because I've just found that on shots towards my shoulder, I can't really get up there in like a 
your typical blocker save. It just doesn't work with my shoulder. So I've really tried to start detaching of just getting that blocker parallel to the ice. And I found that's worked uh, pretty good for me. I know Stop It tweeted out a picture. It, uh, I think it was his first game in Florida. And it was like the first time I had done it in a game. And I had been working on it for like six months. Because I had texted to my goalie coach and I was like, can you just believe it took me six months to make one of these saves? It's so simple and it was a perfect save and nobody batted an eye at it. But I had been working on something so simple for literally six months. And as soon as I made the save, I was like, great job, Bert. Just great job. And it's just a simple routine save that no one would think twice about. But a lot of hard work goes into something so simple. When you say detached, can you can you just for our listeners try and I don't know if you can explain that further. I think I understand what you mean by parallel, you know, to the ice, but detach you mean just off the body a little bit? Yeah. So instead of making your blocker save with your stick kind of angled towards the ice and your blocker like facing front with your palm and your fingers facing down, you're basically bringing your stick up towards parallel towards the ice. And now your fingers are going to be kind of sideways and your blocker face is now going to be kind of long towards your body. Does that make sense? So almost like a, almost like the mirror of a glove, as opposed to just working up and down a post, you're actually turning it perpendicular, like the, the length of the blocker is parallel to the ice. Correct. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I've found I have much more control over rebounds that way. Okay. I just think with my blocker, when it's front facing and I found it's a lot easier for me to get up near the shoulder and make saves up there. Um, rather than going kind of normal, that's a, that's a really tough save for me, or I kind of have to chicken wing, which just isn't my favorite thing on earth. Um, so we've been working a lot on just getting that blocker kind of parallel in front. Now, is that a, when you say you're short, like, is that more like a physical limitation thing, Katie, or is that like something just again, like a, you know, for everybody's different, every goalie's different. And you're just more comfortable moving it that way than you would be, like you said, the traditional sort of, like I think of goalies trying to sort of, we think of box control and the small net in front of you, like they try and work up and down that sort of post out in front of you. And you've, you've definitely got, it sounds like a lot more turned. Yeah. It's kind of a physical limitation. I don't have bad shoulders or anything, or I haven't been told I have bad shoulders, but for me, that save on like towards the upper part of the shoulder for the blocker, like kind of pinches when I go forward. Okay. Um, so I just try to find something, something that works for me and the detaching I think is, is the best option. Okay. This sounds like an article to me later on. I also love the front, front third, middle third, back third is I've never thought of it that way. So, but this is, this is what comes from conversations, right? Like, um, yep. I know what you mean by hands out front, but being able to tell these you know, have these cues in a way that relates differently to different people because everybody learns differently. Everybody hears things differently. Is that something you came up with, the front third, or a coach came up with? Or is that something you even back in all this back and forth we've talked about with your students? No, oh, this is uh, John Caradu. He, I worked with him throughout the year. Him and Brad Gilmore are my two goalie coaches that I've, I've been working with throughout the year. And we've been working on pretty similar things. But John, John coins a lot of terms and he's the king of, of one-liners and he's uh he developed that front front third uh and that really kind of in my brain was like the thing that stuck because even if you're making a save on your on the mid third of your pad you know your your eyes have to go an extra 
two to f- five millimeters. And while, you know, that might not sound like a lot in a game where we're talking about, you know, split seconds and millimeters, like that stuff matters. So we're just, you know, detaching, getting front third. Like we spent so much time on just those simple, simple things where it's like, you know, I know how to make a glove save. I've done a, a, a million of them, but it's getting it to the point where it's almost automatic to me, like, 95% of my saves when I'm on are with my hands or with, the, you know, my mid, um, I forget what John calls it. So he calls it center mass. So I'm a center mass goalie, right? Like my hands and anything that's hitting me in the center mass, if I'm on, that's how I'm like making basically 95% of my saves. All this work on hands, I, I when I was looking through some old social media posts and I know that Brian's obviously involved with sense arena is that a tool especially when maybe practice time isn't as much as you'd like or were used to in college has that been a tool that's allowed you to work on the hand stuff especially like we we, i think of it at least from our perspective and a lot of the goalies we've talked to a really valuable tool for both sort of eyes and tracking and hands as well have you used it in that regard i have i love the, the goalie cannon is the drill that it's called and I love that drill because it's so simple. You know exactly where the puck's going. You can read it off the off the stick. And when you're working on something as simple as, you know, catching in front or detaching, you can do that, you know, 10 times in a row. And yeah, you know it's coming, but you just hop on the VR and you're done in, in 15, 20 minutes. Um, and you've got 100, 200 reps in 15 minutes without having to go to a rink. So it's it's a huge tool and we might not get as much ice time as we would like. So being able to have something like that is is super important. You talked about skating. What's changed there? You know, because we think you know we, we we think of especially as far along as you are. Like like you said, you're you're only t- you're only 25. There's it's not like it's it's not forever. But when we say someone say their skating has changed so much in a couple of years, like what do you mean by that? I just put a, a huge premium on my edge work, and I spend anywhere from you know, 20 to 30 hours a week on the ice teaching these kids. And I'm, you know, the first 10 to 15 minutes of their lesson is always edge work. So I'm getting in hours on hours on hours of edge work while I'm coaching. And then I'm also doing, you know, a few hours of edge work in my own lessons. And I've really, I used to just kind of, kind of half-ass it because I stunk at it, but I've really kind of bought in to, really going all out, really trying to get better and really, really getting uncomfortable on my edges because they've gotten, they've gotten so much better in the past, like two years since I started really kind of pushing the envelope and getting uncomfortable. Give me an an idea what you mean by like, and and Edric is a catchphrase that I think can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So Give me an idea what type of movements you're getting into that are uncomfortable and what type of skating you're doing to try and, you know, improve that edge work. Are we talking about crease movement patterns? Are we talking about some of the more unique, you know, we'll see people going side to side on a rink or even the length of a rink, sometimes on one edge, you know, figure eights, all kinds of different things. What what for you has been the focus and the key to, you know, getting comfortable in uncomfortable situations and spots? It's a little bit of, of everything. Um, I know that's not the answer you're hoping for, but no. you know, we do, I do a lot of crease work. We had been working on quite a few things, but one, my back legs on my glove side trailed 
and we had been working on that for like six months. We were doing just small crease movements, but we were also doing kind of like figure skating type of things where we're hopping around, we're jumping around, we're going inside edge, we're going outside edge, we're holding, we're transitioning. There's a whole plethora of things that we were we were kind of working on and just trying to, to spice it up a little bit because there's, you know, goalie only does so many movements, right, in the game, but yeah we're trying to keep it keep it light keep it interesting keep it fun or else it could be really boring to work on edge work <laughs> well i was out case i was gonna ask that is one of the things right like it doesn't matter how many articles i write at ingolmag.com with with whether it's carrie price or katie burt stressing the importance of all the skating crease crease uh movement patterns edge work everybody wants pucks. We want drills. We want live action. We want it. So how, how do you keep it fun? Just by, by mixing it up, making sure the kids stay engaged with that stuff? Or is it just a matter of stressing to them that, hey, this is, this is like the broccoli uh, on the side of the plate. It, you may not love it, but it's good for you. Um, yeah, we try and, we try and keep, keep it light. You know, I'm really animated when I coach, whether it's jumping around, sliding around, spraying kids with snow. Um, you know, knocking their sticks out of their hands. Like you just kind of got to keep them engaged a little bit. And some of them are like, when, when, when's game time? And it's like, oh, well, that's not for 50 minutes. So <laughs> we're going to get pucks in 10 minutes, but it's, it's, it's tough. You know, obviously others, some kids are, are more challenging than others. And we have a whole spectrum of, of different types of kids that come through our door. But, you know, I mean, they know it's important. And when, when, when they start to kind of, not buy in anymore that's when you start asking them to do the little more challenging stuff and when they can't do it well you say well why can't you do it i thought this was easy and then they kind of rein it in a little bit um because you know at the end of the day they know it's important it's just kind of reminding them of that okay so hey just i'm gonna rewind here for a second because i just found i as you've been giving me that great answer i've been scrolling twitter to find that blocker save and I think I may, I just want to make sure for our audience, because I think I may have misunderstood and misrepresented uh, the detachment part. I, for some reason, I thought you meant almost you had your blocker turned horizontal. Like, so it was, you meant the stick is horizontal parallel to the ice as opposed to the actual blocker being turned. I, 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 I was seeing it in my mind's eye differently. So I want to make sure I correct that for our audience. You're not making saves with your blocker pointing straight out. Let me let me find that picture so we can kind of chat about it all. Because it is like it's it's kind of parallel, but it's kind of not. Um, the way that I like to teach it to the kids is what I actually do is we soft pucks at their face because they have to save it or else they get hit in the face. Um, and we take their stick away from them actually. So what we do is kind of sauce it, and they'll just go parallel. And what they find, thank you. So, in other words, you're you're prioritizing the blocker as a and 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 not getting as attached to where your stick is on those saves. Exactly. Exactly. Because because that's the one challenge of the blocker, right? Is the fact it also controls the stick, and if you you're always trying to maintain stick on the ice and all those saves, you're going to lose sort of the ability to sort of manage your blocker. Exactly, and. You know, this type of save, I like to, to start teaching it, like actually having them go straight parallel. Because then they can, as we start to add in the stick, it adds like a counterweight. So it becomes less parallel. 
as you can see more of like in the picture here because if, if i'm going full parallel then my stick's going to be kind of near my face um right. that makes any sense yeah, no, it, it does. And I just wanted to sort of, we'll make sure we throw that picture up uh, as part of the podcast. So people can check the notes and, and ha- have a look at it. I just wanted to make sure, I think I misunderstood it, Katie. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't misleading the audience with my description because your description made a lot more sense. And I just, this is the challenge, right? This goes back to, you know, being able to come up with definitions and, and phrasing, coaching your kids. And uh, I'm at 48. I have the mind of a six-year-old. So um, making sure that everybody understands things the same way. Yeah, that's that's the challenge with coaching. You know, with I, I mean, the in two years of coaching, I've coached. I, I coached a deaf kid. I coached multiple autistic kids, learn disabilities, like the whole thing. And learning how to explain that to all of them has been really eye-opening for me, and it's obviously helped my game tremendously. But it's interesting just how different everybody is in the way that they receive the information and then put in it, put it into use. Well said, well said. Some of the other, one of the last things I wanted to talk about a little bit is uh, the experience with Pro this year, how it's changing, where you're at. You made a big decision to leave PWHPA to go back to the PHF. Where are we at? Uh, we talked at the beginning about ESPN and 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 that partnership and how important it was, the, the $25 million investment that's been made into the PHF to sort of increase salaries and healthcare programs. We've got new ownership being injected. Where, where, where are we at now? Where do we need to go to, to take next steps? As, as big as that step was to have a championship game and a championship entire weekend on ESPN, where do the, what are the next steps? You know, I think at the end of the day, we just need all of the best players in one place. And, you know, what that means, I don't really know. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, we need everybody playing in the same spot because our product would be infinitely better. And I think that, yeah, I don't know what's happening with the NHL and if they even had meetings between the two sides, but I'm really hoping that they kind of come to a resolution, whatever that may be, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to play hockey and grow the game. And we're all trying to get to the same spot. We just kind of disagree on how we're going to get there. So I, I really hope that they can kind of figure it all out, you know, before selfishly my career ends, because I would like to be a part of that and part of the growth of the game. No doubt. What um, I, what about within the season? Was it closer, your experience with the PHF this year compared to uh, when it was still the NWHL, your first time around in terms of the support, the infrastructure, uh, whether it's practice times? I mean, you're still having to have another job. It can't be your primary job. We're not there yet. But did you see some growth in terms of what you had available to you as an athlete, did it start, are we starting to get towards the professional standards that were sort of being sought uh, in large, like we're part of the big push from the PWHPA side of things? Absolutely. You know, the the league in the past few years since I've been away has, has grown exponentially. You know, obviously things aren't perfect and a lot of things could be better, but at the end of the day, things are improving and they're improving at a rapid pace. And for example, like our ownership is willing to listen to us when we say, you know, Hey, I think we think that these things should be better. And, you know, if you really want things to come together, here are the things that we, we think need to happen in order for, for that to happen, for some of the players to come and play for the Boston pride or whatever, whoever, whatever team, it doesn't really matter. Um, because at the end of the day, 
if somebody signs with the Metropolitan Riveters, that makes our league better. So uh, I hope that they that they can get some of those things. We can get you know better practice times and, and things of that sort. But obviously, that's not up to me. So. Okay. And hey, listen, I was actually going to lead with this. You teased it earlier and I forgot all about it till now because I just got so engrossed in the conversation about all the, the evolution of your game. You got a legendary article on no toe ties. You had everyone raising an eyebrow a couple of years ago when you explained why no toe ties, but now they're back. How did Katie Burt, did, did you just give in to all the coaches that told you it was crazy not to have them or what? No, I actually, <laughs> I never did get hurt by not having them. So I would like to, to start state that on record. The original premise still works. Yes. For all the people that said I was going to get hurt, you were wrong. Um, no, I liked, I liked the, the no toe ties because I would always just, I would nail my toe locks. They were, they were perfect. And my boot was super soft. So I felt comfortable doing that my ccms my boot was like really really soft and so when i went to my trues i got a harder more firm boot and it just didn't really feel right to have no toe ties so what i did was i just have them with enough slack to do something but they're pretty loose because so they're they're there but not there correct like i didn't I hadn't hadn't worn them for so long that when I had put them on properly, they actually, I actually had a pain going up my knee because it was like torquing my ankle in a way that had just hadn't been torqued for years. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going with like 12 knots and it's like not doing anything, but it is keeping it on my boot a little bit more where it's like the trues that I have, I love them and they're, they're super stiff on the boot. And so it just didn't really feel right for me to go without toe ties. So no toe. So the toe ties are back, but really it's still the no toe tie philosophy. <laughs> Pretty much. I still nail my toe lock. So that's all that matters. I'm not pushing off of, of laces either. So, so what do you push off then with? That's what, that was the second part of that question. I'm, I'm pushing with my toe, but I think there's so much, there's, there's so many knots down there that it doesn't really matter. So it's just the toe of the skates where you get your leverage from. Yeah. Good stuff. I love it. Well, unless you're in the shin lock, right? Because there is no one Correct. way to play this position. Correct. Awesome. Katie, I took up way more time than I said I would. Uh, this is uh, 48 minutes almost of goaltending gold. I can't thank you enough. Uh, we ended our last conversation two years ago with me saying, we got to get you on for more. I'm sorry it took this long. Uh, but the reminder after the championship weekend was perfect. I really appreciate you amidst all these celebrations, amidst such a special time for you and your teammates, making the time for the Ingo Radio podcast and catching us up on your career. It's uh, It's been a fascinating conversation and one I hope to continue in the near future. Perhaps if I can get some footage, if the folks at ESPN would be kind enough to allow us to use some footage. I think we need a Katie Burt. We talked about this last time. I really think we need a Katie Burt's pro read, especially given how much your pro your reads you say have, have changed over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. No, I think that would be, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, we'll make that happen. Thanks again for taking the time today and joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to doing it again. Yeah. From party hopping around Boston 
to uh, more stories in in the tank, ready for the next time that uh, she comes on. Uh, pretty cool journey, and I loved her rationale for for switching leagues and and what uh, what she had in mind and the um, reasoning that went into that, Woody. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff there, and I think the best part is a little, little bit of a slow start because uh, awkward questions for me at the beginning. But she, we got rolling once we just started talking goaltending, and when uh, when I talked towards the end there about having her back on and getting her in for some, uh, you know, maybe some pro reads or some uh, pro drills, I just thought there were so many good takeaways there um, about learning to read the game, which is why I want to get her on pro reads, but also like the thing about front third. You know, like we always talk about active hands and hands out in front, but sort of breaking that down, like, are you making saves when you're in the butterfly at the front third of your pads, the middle third or the back third? And sort of, you know, again, just another way of sort of thinking about it and breaking it down. And I just, I love how she talks about learning as a goalie while coaching because of the need to be able to sort of communicate these different aspects of the game, these different techniques to people who hear things differently, to people who learn differently. And there was some of that going on when we had that blocker discussion, me misinterpreting what she was saying a little bit and then coming back to it after seeing a picture. Um, She's somebody who thinks visually. So uh, it's just a fascinating discussion about teaching goalies, about how teaching goalies can make you better as a goalie. And I want to have an opportunity to tap into some of those thoughts more. So hopefully we'll get Katie, not just back on the podcast, but back at ingolmag.com with uh, with some tips. Because the last time she was featured in one of our segments, it was pro gear. And that's because she wasn't wearing toe ties. But that too has changed in the past two years. It's amazing how people learn differently and can absorb things differently. And it probably goes to sometimes why connections between a goalie coach and a goalie uh, work so well because it, it may not just that the philosophy is the same, but just that they, they're on the same page on that side of it. Yeah, it takes a very skilled teacher to be able to work with students who learn in very different ways. So I think you're quite right, Darren. There are going to be some goalie coaches out there who can deal with all sorts of different students and some that will, will have their own way of doing things. And I expect that Katie is uh, probably one of the good ones. And, uh, and I can definitely vouch for what she's experienced from being able to learn through teaching. I've, I've taught a few things that uh, for the first time as, a, as an actual classroom teacher and look back and thought, what, did, really, I did not understand this as a student. It's, uh, it's remarkable how much you learn when you have to communicate it to somebody else. So good for her. And she's obviously using some of that time on the ice very well to... Uh, not just to to learn through communicating, but uh, you know the edge work drills and so on. I just love that she was taking advantage of those opportunities to to build her skill just through demonstrating or, or working alongside her students. Love it. I wish I would have known this uh, teaching and student and absorption uh, issues during high school because then I could have blamed it all on that. I literally said the other day, I wish I could go back to high school again and upgrade all those grade twelve courses now that I actually understand this stuff. Really. Yes, I mean, obviously, I don't want to go back to high school. Although those were those were fun days, but I, I, I like just high would, I'd love I didn't a do over. Like I didn't like the the coursework. Pardon me. I didn't like the coursework. Like uh, high school is fine. Yeah, giddy up with well, that. I I agree. I had different priorities. You know, Woody's not saying anything. School. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, as soon as we talk about school, I just sort of curl up in a fetal position. That's how you become a journalist. As as your teachers no doubt did, Kevin. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Woody, Woody's, uh, Woody's graduated. Like, yay. That was the probably the best part of the, the year was when Woody graduated and they got rid of that side of it. All the extra work that, I went that to went sc- into it. Listen, listen. As my dad told me when I finally graduated university, I told him a lot of guys, a lot of people go to school for eight years mm. post-secondary education. And his response without missing a beat was, yes, they're called doctors. <laughs> so I spent a few extra years in university, um, a long time to end up as a, uh, with a journalism degree. Um, but I took a roundabout route. So that's why I sort of get into the fetal position thinking about school because I spent more than enough bloody time there, perhaps enjoyed myself too much at times. Uh, my brother went back to school to become a teacher. He was a mechanic. He went back to school to get his teaching certificate. And now he teaches it at the university level or at the trade, like college trades level. And I have so much admiration for him because I could never go back to school. Never. Except for the education of goaltending. That I'm willing to take part in on a daily basis. PhD, buddy. Kevin got into this, actually, when he was asked a question in, in school. Teacher said, Kevin, can, can you just give us the answer, please? Now, one plus one equals? Anybody else would just say two, but Kevin is two. Well, and speaking of two, there's actually two goaltenders on every hockey team. And uh, actually, they all have two skates. And did I mention the brand new CCM skates? They're actually outstanding. And uh, CCM actually makes sticks as well. They're beautiful sticks. I was actually talking to uh, Thatcher Demko the other day, and he's got a new CCM stick, and it's outstanding. And maybe I should stop now. And then they said, that's true. And then he went into the whole true line, and it was like, it was done. Finished. His classmates loved it because just what, Kevin, what's one plus one? And then the class is over before anybody else has to answer a question. That's why they love me as a radio guest. Two questions, 20 minute segment. We're done. <laughs> Two questions, Kevin. Now uh, we got to fly uh, out of here. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for Katie uh, stopping by and as well as Cam. Those Bauer Pro returns, check them out on YouTube. Uh, the director's cut is there and send us your comments. Uh, who you pick? Uh, for your pro return gear, if you could take anybody's set, you'd like to use it. So keep in mind you like to use it. Uh, but uh, but you can also go get a little nostalgic uh, as well. Modern, uh, last generations, or or go really old school like uh, like Hutch did today. Uh, really appreciate it. You guys uh, have a great week. Uh, Woody, stay safe out there. I, I worry about you sometimes, pal. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I just I'll wear a helmet. Okay. Good. Or mask. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. Uh, It floats your boat. Uh, Thanks to you, the audience, as well, for joining us on In Goal Radio, the podcast. 